Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. Chris, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good, man. Yeah. Been uh, lots on the docket. Lots to catch up on, uh, both swipe well and swipe files related, but, um, feeling good, feeling motivated. There's like a lot on the plate, but it's all really fun stuff right now. Yeah. I, I feel like you can tell summer is ending. People are starting to get back into it and yeah. the pace is picking up and <laughs> it feels good. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's, it is really strange. I feel myself just naturally slowing down like June, July, we still did a lot, especially like I think all July was basically me devoted to uh, our marketing examples by Swipewell experiment. And me just like clicking swipe for six hours a day, every day for a month. Um, but I feel like a lot of my creativity was kind of gone. And now I can definitely feel that kind of swell coming back. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how like July every year for JetBoost is like extremely quiet. And it's actually last year, it was our worst month revenue wise. Really? Uh, yeah. Even worse than December. Hmm. Uh, and this year it was our worst month ever. Um, <laughs> but then like, as soon as it was like August 1st, it was like back to business as normal, back to our normal growth wow. trajectory. Makes no sense to me, but, uh, yeah, that's, that happens every year. I know. I, I can only imagine, uh, what it's like having like a European based, SaaS business mm-hmm. too, or like if it just all most of your, uh, yeah, your primary kind of market is over in Europe. Cause I know that they really take their summer vacation seriously. Uh, whereas we Americans are mere dabblers. <laughs> we just take a couple of weeks off and then we just kind of coast, <laughs> even though we're still like on work hours. Um, like private things probably just come to a screaming halt over there. Yeah. Yeah. I saw some like Twitter meme or something comparing like Americans to Europeans when they get COVID and it was like, Americans are like still doing like sales calls and, you know, basically <laughs> showing up for most of the day, yeah. <laughs> not resting at all. We don't know how to not work. It's, uh, no. it's, it's, a there. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. But yeah, good to hear. Um, you want to start us out? You want me to start us out? Yeah. Why don't you uh, kick us off? Cool. Well, like the big thing top of mind that uh, I think I've been alluding to and kind of teasing for a while has been uh, our onboarding for swipe well and basically being that being like the last piece of the piece of the puzzle before we do like a big wait list invite rollout and um, kind of like get out of this like early access mode where we're just doing invite only and onboarding calls all the time and we're just gonna let people sign up and start using it themselves um, and uh, so we've gone through like th- I think three iterations of our onboarding now the first one um, really more like our V zero, we just kind of spun up and went through a couple of iterations when we first started inviting users in back a couple months ago. But then like, this was like our, our V two, we've had a couple of iterations of as, uh, as well. And we started first with like, all right, let's just like show people a bunch of tool tips through like preloaded swipes. And then that wasn't really kind of quite doing it for people where it was still like a lot. It was in fact a little bit like overwhelming. So then it was like, well, why don't we just kind of only show one and we'll push people more through like a a checklist first. And that was still like, people just weren't doing the first thing we wanted them to, which was to upload a swipe or 
install the Chrome extension. Um, and then I got, we got some really good feedback from, uh, from Brian Castle, especially, and he was kind of showing me through zip message, uh, which is fun, kind of their onboarding evolution. And he's talking about how he had the same problem where a lot of people just weren't actually testing it out. They were just kind of like sign up, click through, you know, go through a bunch of different pages really fast and then do nothing. And then the, like maybe come back to it a week later or a day later. And like very few people actually went through the process of creating a zip message, which is like the most important thing, especially when it's sort of a newer category, you know, like people have to be kind of trained and educated. And that's especially true for swipe well, where it's like, there isn't a real like category for, you know, swiping software, if you want to call that, or like swipe file creators. So we're having to do a lot of education and teaching and, you know, over and over again, um, even, even when we'd had like the, the onboarding flow that we created, that was really walking everyone through it. They just weren't doing it. And so they would like click through, be like, Oh, this looks cool. Like, what do you want me to do? I'm like, just swipe something, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> just, just do it. I don't know, you know, actually test out the software instead of just like looking around. Um, so our kind of V3 finally of, of this iteration is, um, segmenting people so that when they sign up, we basically don't let them into the dashboard until they've actually swiped something. So like the final screen is like upload a swipe or download the Chrome extension to swipe something or, uh, you know, forward an email to send it to you. And then like, once we see that you've done that, then we send you to your dashboard and like, look what you just created. And then it kind of like kicks off the extra stuff around here's what tags and collections are. Here's like your checklist of other things that you haven't done yet. But then like they've actually gone through and done the thing that we want them to, which is to actually create a swipe. Um, so it feels really promising. I think like even regardless of how well received this one is, I think that we're the most confident in this version. And so we're just going to like roll with it and then, you know, get some data, see uh, if we want to make some changes, iterations later, but like, this is what we're, we're rolling with now. And, uh, so I think that should be shipped today. And then now it's back on me to actually get people in and to actually use it. So that'll be exciting. Yeah. I love that. I think that's the perfect approach. You're basically locking them into the onboarding flow until they complete it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which, you know, it feels weird. I think there's a, there's always a balance between like how much, um, do you want to force people to do versus just like I'll let them do it by themselves and everyone has a different opinion about how to do this. But I think that there are certain types of software that just really, um, like require someone to, to do something first in order to see right. how the software works. It's actually very similar to like analytics tools. You know, it's like, okay, if you don't install the tracking script or if you don't like plug in this source of data, then like there's going to be nothing to see. There's no point in like, letting someone click around an empty state of an analytics tool <laughs> like this. Why would you even, you know, so that's why like every analytics tool these days, the first step is, well, you we have to install this. Okay, cool. Check to see that it's installed. Great. Now you can go look at your dashboard and Oh, look, we got your first visitor. It's, it's you. <laughs> so it's not like <laughs> significant anyway, but now you can actually start generating data. And so, um, I think that, yeah, we're just going to like roll with the punches on people's opinions about it. I'm not going to care that much. I think it's, it's definitely uh, necessary for this type of tool. 
Yeah, I think that's the correct move. And if somebody wants to poke around and explore what your product offers, like that's what your marketing website's for. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I mean, they shouldn't, yeah. we don't need a lot of like looky-loos who just like create an account and then don't do anything. Like if you're in there, if you're a potential user, we want you to become an actual user as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think, you know, Connor did an amazing job. We sort of like scoped out okay, here's how we think the flow should work. And then like, I relay a lot of the feedback that Brian gave me and kind of strategize for like, what, what could this look like for, for swipe? Well, I think what we're doing that I'm especially excited about is uh, the segmenting bit. So it's not just like, cause one of the first questions we ask is, uh, so it goes like sign up page and then, um, how'd you hear about us? Oh no, sorry. Go sign up page. And then it's what kinds of marketing examples do you want to swipe or save websites, landing page or uh, websites, ads, emails, or other. And that's how you hear about us. And then based on whether it said websites, emails, or ads, then we push them to, okay, if they say email, then like, here's your address for an email right now. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. we're basically matching their intent with the onboarding, which should be like a more, uh, a more promising way of doing it rather than putting everyone through the Chrome extension or everyone through the email or everyone through just directly uploading a swipe. Um, so you just said that you wanted to do an email. So now here's a chance. Just do it. Yeah. Do you give them, I don't know, like examples to go swipe if they don't have anything immediately? Um, yes and no. Uh, in fact, now through the Chrome extension, that was one of the big things was people are like, okay, where, like, where do I go? Like just go to swipewell.app. So, um, that's where we point people to now through the Chrome extension. But if it's uploading directly, we thought about it. Like, can we like give someone like a, a file to like download and then upload? But at the same time, I think that everyone has like a bunch of screenshots on their computer. Um, and so like, that's maybe someone we'll revisit in the future, but we're not going to like give them a suggestion of what to upload. And the same thing for the, for the email that really just has to come out of their inbox. Like we can't give them an email to swipe, but as soon as they create their account, we send them an email, like the welcome email. So that should be at the top of their inbox. Um, maybe we could send them a link to that. Actually, it's kind of an inter interesting idea. So yeah, I mean, maybe. it seems like if you, if, if you choose upload or if you choose email as your preferred path, like you must, you, you likely already have something in mind that you mm -hmm. want to use. Right. A file to upload or an email to, to swipe. Yeah, that's true. Those are interesting ideas though. Just like even less friction. Um, we might, I'll probably write that down. Maybe we'll do that later or maybe we'll include it for yeah. this one. So this rolling out then means you're going to open up, uh, signups to everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone off the wait list. Um, and then in the okay. meantime, we'll be like creating our actual landing page and then like linking to the signup page and, uh, and rolling that out after we've done like the waitlist rollout. Um, but yeah, that'll mainly just be like an email to the waitlist and then instructions and follow-ups for me. I need to, I have some ideas around like a general kind of plan, which is like how many emails and what they should be and, uh, how to get people actually in to roll out the, the waitlist invites, but I don't have a lot of the specifics yet. So that's kind of on my to-do list this week. Cool. And remind me, your website is Webflow or custom? Uh, custom. 
because you want like basically it to be at the root domain and to yeah. pull in actual swipes. You know? mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, we could build it, build it in Webflow now. I think that um, the problem would be that I would have to design it in Webflow. <laughs> and um, that would probably slow us down a little bit. And also like Connor already built it out like with the, you know, just using like Tailwind kind of components. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so it's not like a, a ton more. I think once or if we create like a blog, we'll probably like move everything over to Webflow at that point once we want to use more like the CMS type of functionality. But um, yeah, for right now, it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Yeah, cool. Yep. So that's me. What's new with you? Uh, let's see. There, there is both a lot happening and feels like very little happening. <laughs> uh, so yeah, getting, getting settled in here, uh, in the Chicago area. And it's funny, I I've had so much renewed energy and just like, okay, I'm ready to go. Like, let's, let's get going. And these past two weeks have just been what I have deemed chore work. Mm. Um, it doesn't mean it's, it's, bad uh and some of it's actually very good but it's just like it is a slog for me to go through um so i i can highlight a few things but the big one really has been converting um basically i want to start hiring full-time employees uh instead of 1099 contractors hmm. and I knew it was going to be complex and tricky. I mean, it's so easy to hire a 1099, especially now with like, you know, we use deal for that and they just make it so easy. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, Noah's been working on JetBoost for a year and a half now and it makes Crazy. sense to bring him on, you know, full-time salary and, and benefits and uh, in talking with potential other hires that we're looking at, like they're looking for the same type of thing. Um, right. So timing works out. And, uh, one thing I learned through this process is in order to offer health insurance, you do need at least, at least, uh, using the service that we're using, you need at least two full-time employees on that. Oh, interesting. So now that we actually are going to have two, myself and Noah, um, we, we do qualify for that, but nice. if it was like, just me or just Noah going on it, then, mm. um, then that wouldn't work. Hmm. Were you, did you already have yourself as W2 or not, not yet? I did not. Um, yeah, interesting. I was just paying myself out, you know, typical like single LLC or, uh, pay. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so part of this has been spurred by the accountant that I worked with for this past year. He said, you know, it's time for you to, you know, start doing an LLC as an S corp. And as part of that, you need to set up like actual payroll. Um, and then the other factor has also been, you know, with, like I said, with, with Noah being here for over a year now. Um, and then also with my wife leaving her job and we're switching over, you know, our, our health insurance. So all, uh, all the timing yeah. on everything just kind of worked out well. Mm -hmm. Um, but man, it has been a slog, uh, to, to get set up and I'm using just works, which has been pretty good and they've, they've had great support. Uh, but I, st it's been challenging because I started it back in July 
I didn't have a new address yet. And so like that made things more difficult. Oh yeah. Obviously like moving States and figuring all that out. Um, Mm -hmm. so we kind of like started and then stopped and then restarted and, um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Like I never knew anything about workers comp workers compensation. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) they were, you're required to have that in every state that you have an employee. Um, that's about 350 bucks a year. (laughs) Uh, the, I don't even know what workers comp is. I think it's like my like idea is like, oh, I hurt my back, you know, digging a trench and I have time off, but I get paid hourly. So I get workers comp as like replacement, but like that doesn't, how does that apply to like everyone? I don't know. Yeah. It kind of, <laughs> it's one of those things that's like exists for probably a long time and, and, you know, is, is useful. Certain, I mean, it's great for certain types of jobs, but for someone who's remote and working on a computer, you know, they're, they're not exactly going to get injured on the job. Uh, which, hmm. which is mainly what it's for. And so I kind of skimmed over the details on that, but it's just like, <laughs> Oh, you have to have that, uh, you know, check these things. And yeah, yeah. Of course with, with all these like big, uh, not big government, but just like big regulations. Uh, there's, there's always things that trip you up. And in our case, it was the state of Ohio where, where Noah is, they require you to go through this like special portal that they set up online and so it's like just works is like, you got to go work with them and do this separately uh, outside of our platform. And, uh, so it's just like filling out all these different things. And like, I have no idea. Am I doing this right? Am I not? Mm-hmm. And then you get to the end and they're like, here, pay us, you know, 120 bucks and we'll give you your certificate. I'm like, okay. <laughs> just a shakedown. They could yeah. have said any number and be like, all right, I yeah. guess I have to pay it. Yeah. Yeah. And the workers comp thing is funny too, because they're like, it is required by law that you post this. I don't, I don't know. You might remember seeing it working in offices back in the day, but like you have to like post it in like, you know, people post in the cafeteria or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the little notice. So I told Noah, I was like, you better print this out and uh, put it, put it up on your refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. Put it right behind your, your, your desk. So that's in the, <laughs> the view for everyone to see. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I got one. I don't, I don't know if it's the same one, but there's like this big old poster that I'm supposed to put up somewhere having an LLC for SWI files. And mm-hmm. it's like, must be in view in common workplace for all employees. I'm like, bro, I'm a single member LLC. Like I am, <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not even an employee. Like I'm just like, I don't need to see this. I'm not going to put this up anywhere, but like I have to buy like a new one every year or something. And then it's like, I have to check some sort of box that acknowledges that it's up somewhere in office. I'm like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm in my bedroom. Like, I don't know where to put this. Yeah. The laws are not really written or optimized for, you know, companies less than five or 10 people. So, yeah, right. Yeah. That's so interesting. So yeah, it, it, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say you're using deal and just works or are you like switching from one to the other or are there things that, you know, one doesn't, or one does that the other doesn't. Yeah. So funny story about that. Uh, deal has been, like I said, for me, it's been amazing, uh, working with 1099s. They, they handle so much of it for you. They send out the, uh, totally blanking on the, the tax form that they send out at the, the end of the year. W four um, or something or, Oh no. Yeah. Uh, for contractors. 
Yeah, I forget what it is. Yeah. Um, but they, they've been awesome. And I didn't realize that they do offer, uh, you know, to, to handle payroll and W2 employees. Hmm. I just didn't, I, I just thought, oh, they're like a contractor service. And, you know, I, I know they've, at least I've seen their positioning in the past. It's like contractors, you know, not just in the U.S., but all yeah. over the world. We, we handle all that for you. Uh, so I didn't even look at them. You know, I was looking mostly at like Gusto and Just Works, and because um, those are the ones I'd heard of before. And mm-hmm. I ended up going with Just Works because it looked like it made it the easiest to do health insurance and the other benefits. And, and maybe mm-hmm. I didn't evaluate, you know, Gusto fully. But um, so I found out after setting up Just Works and, and getting all this done, somebody told me, "Oh, they're like, well, you can actually do all that through Deal." <laughs> but they had a very bad experience converting someone from, you know, 1099 to full-time on deal. Mm. And I, in the Slack group I'm in, I've seen other people have issues with their full-time offering. Hmm. Uh, so I was like, Oh, I kind of got lucky that cause otherwise yeah, I would have right. just stayed with them. Um, but the reviews have not been very good of, of that side of the business. So interesting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're glad at the end that now, but yeah, basically the deal will be kind of obsolete by the end of this kind of transfer or like migration of sorts? It will be for the time being because, yeah, yeah, I don't think we'll have any other contracts still going on, but you know, there's still, we still may use 1099 contractors in the future for um, things like one-off projects or if if we do hire someone who's not in the U.S., like that's probably the route we would go. Mm. Um, yeah, that's true. So you can kind of just like keep it in a holding pattern. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, one of the one of the big challenges was figuring out what is the equivalent salary. Um, oh yeah, huh? And I figured, you know, there's got to be like top Google result, give me a calculator. I put in my numbers and you tell the answer that does not seem to exist, at least as far as I can tell. Really? And yeah, so I spent a lot of time trying to figure that out and I never really came up with a good answer. And in the end I was just like, talk to no one. I'm like, here's what I'm thinking. Does this sound right to you? Does this, you know, I definitely want to make sure you're not getting paid less. And ultimately what I ended up doing was, giving him uh, a bump in pay over his contract amount, um, which when you then factor in benefits as well, it's like going to be a pretty significant bump. Mm. Um, Cause I, I <laughs> and it's, it's, it's totally fine. Like it's, it's, it's good that we're doing this going forward. Um, I have definitely learned throughout this process, the cost of offering, health insurance and, you know, dental uh, vision, all of that, Mm -hmm. uh, which is anywhere from 9,000 to 28,000 a year per employee. Wow. If you, again, these are all numbers based on what I was given through JustWorks. If you have maybe a larger company, I I don't know exactly how it works, but, Mm. um, so the low end 9,000, that's just for someone, you know, to be, to be covered for themselves. But if it, if you add their spouse, if you add their kids, like that's where it starts to escalate, mm-hmm. um, up to, to that higher range. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm still fuzzy on it. I mean, I, 
I guess it would make sense, obviously, that all that kind of comes out of pocket for the employer. But I mean, that's crazy because you could make someone like a job offer for their salary. And then like what you're actually paying them could be astronomically higher if they have, I don't know, a family of 10 (laughs) or something like that, (laughs) where it's like you have to just get a a crazy amount of coverage. um, And you just like never knew that uh, before hiring them. I don't know. Like that seems like, yeah, really hard to factor in. I never thought about that. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a couple things. Uh, So as far as like the, the family coverage, it's, there's tiers. It's just basically like single, single plus spouse or, um, single plus kids or single spouse and kids. Oh, uh, I see. So that it okay. doesn't like family of 10 does is the same as a family of three. That's good. That's good. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing is as an employer, you can choose what percentage, I think there's a minimum, um, but you can choose what percentage of the, the health benefits you, you want to pay for. Right. Um, but so I've, <laughs> this is one of those things where like, I'm p- very particular about this. I've worked at companies in the past where they're like, okay, you know, we cover 50% of your health insurance and and you pay the other 50%. And that has like always rubbed me the wrong way. Mm. Mm-hmm. Cause it just feels like, it feels like you're like nickel and diming me. Like yeah. I'm signing up to work for you. You know, you're paying me a salary and, and that's great. But like, and then you're going to make me pay, you know, 300 bucks a month to get my own benefits like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been listening to, um, uh, the, the fathom analytics podcast with, with Paul and Jack. And they've been talking about, cause they're starting to go through a hiring phase. How mm-hmm. like one of the cool things is like, you can build the company, how you want to build it and things that you want to see done. Like you can just do those. Yeah. This has been like a really cool experience for me. It's like, this is something that I believe in. And so, yeah, like it's going to reduce our profitability. It's going to make hiring more expensive, but it's like, in my mind, it's totally worth it to just cover everyone's benefits. hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. 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 It's really cool. I was just listening to, um, the build your SaaS podcast. Justin and John did like a Q and a two part kind of ask us anything. And, um, one of the things that they said was, goes in that same bucket of like things that we've always wanted to do that were rubbed the wrong way was doing like a end of year Christmas bonus. Um, mm-hmm. and Justin talked about how he always felt like, dude, you know, like, you know that that's like the most expensive month of the year for everyone. And you know that everyone would just love to have it. And everyone dreams of having like a nice bonus at the end of the year, even if it's super small, just something. And so he's like, you know, we're giving out fat bonuses to ourselves and to everyone. It's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I love that. And it's the same thing for, <laughs> uh, for health insurance too. Like, um, I think I experienced the same thing, especially I think as an employee, again, you don't know how all these costs factor in and like what to really expect. And so you might be thinking like, oh yeah, like 20% of, uh, of cost, you know, and 80% is covered. But then you might not know that what you signed up for or just your plan in, in general that 20% might be $500 or something like that. Right. You're like, Oh, right. well, you know, now you feel like you kind of got bait and switched a little bit, um, which is lame. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And you know, the, the other podcast I've been listening to, um, who, who one of the co-hosts had a big influence on me is, um, 
startup startup to last. I don't know if you still listen to that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with Tyler and Rick and like Tyler treats his employees so well. And I, I think he's got, I don't know, maybe 10 to 15 employees and he's been doing this for like 10 years. And it's just like, it's very different. I feel from, from again, not that anyone's like mistreating employees, but from what I see from other people in the space where it's like trying to, you know, outsource work or, or hire contractors as cheap as possible. And, mm-hmm. and like, that's cool that if you want to like, that's f- totally fine to be scrappy and to, uh, it just depends on the phase that, that your business is at. But like, he's kind of been inspiring me to really think about, okay, like how can we take care of employees and make sure that everyone, you know, not just has like basic needs covered, but is really thriving and, um, I don't know. It's like you can just you can make that decision, and and maybe it's not like, you know, the the min max. Like it's it's not the optimal uh, mon- uh, revenue or sorry, not revenue, like profit generating move for the business. But right. If it can make like a, a few people's lives better, you know, the the employees that you have, like, I think that's pretty cool. Definitely, I think especially just knowing like where to invest that, like instead of. Um, like I'd rather have end of year bonus and hundred percent healthcare coverage than like a snack box every month or right. like a, <laughs> you know, a, like new swag every quarter or even like a, um, I don't know, you got trail mix in the office or if you're remote, you get some sort of like, I don't know, like there's a lot of like cliche kind of silly things that feels like, Oh, we offer this and that and this and that. And yeah, they're spending a lot of money on that, but like, I would rather that money go somewhere else. <laughs> Just, you know, especially with like the core, like what's the most important things do those exceptionally well. And then like you can tack on the stuff above and beyond and like, sure, those are nice to have, but it's annoying when it's like, okay, I'm trading off healthcare coverage for snacks sent to my to my house every month like <laughs> please no i would much rather the health coverage yeah. yeah that's cool kudos for you for uh thinking about it that way and actually investing in it yeah it's, a, it's been a lot of pain to set up but now that it's like done and and you know starts september 1st like it's gonna be super awesome yeah that's really cool Man, what a slog to get through, though. Um, that yeah. feels like a nightmare to me. Hopefully, you only have to like go <laughs> through it once, and then you sort of have the playbook to keep it going and roll it out to new people as they come in. Yeah. No, no, I've had that thought, too. Like, not just, like, yeah, now we're set up to hire employees uh, full-time, and it's no big deal. But also, like, just for me as, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, like, going through this process like going into it, I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea what to do. And it's one of those things where you just got to like learn and figure it out. And, mm-hmm. you know, now five, 10 years from now or, or whatever, if I, if I start another company, like I have this in my tool belt, like, okay, I, this is one less thing I have to worry about. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like before you've ever formed an LLC, you're like, oh my God, yeah. this is probably so <laughs> difficult. Like, I don't know what to do. And then once you do it, and then it's no big deal. And that's just another thing you don't have to worry about. Yep. Dude, that's, that's so true. I mean, there's so many things you have to do starting a business where it's like, it's scary the first time. And you yep. feel like you're always just wondering like, how does this work? And what is this like? And then you go through it and you're like, oh, not, not, not that bad. I'll, I'll figure it out for the next time. Like I've got it down. Yep. Not worried about it. Um, it's super, super true. Yeah. 
but yeah, what, what else is going on with you? Yeah. So switching gears a whole lot. Um, <laughs> one of, so, uh, we've been doing, you know, we rolled out the kind of programmatic content experiment, which was marking examples by Swipewell, the big public database swipe file of over 200 categories. That I spent a month on, um, swiping things like, you know, best vintage ads and best SaaS pricing pages and stuff like that using swipe. Well, which is really cool. Launched on a product and did well. Talked to all about that last week, I believe. Um, and, but really like the potential there and the real long-term play is more of an SEO play rather than like a product kind of stunt marketing play. Um, so the problem was that we, we launched it, all the, the pages live, but then like we weren't getting any traction whatsoever in Google, like not even like an inkling. It's totally normal. That you launch a new like site or a new page. It takes Google a couple of days to kind of like recognize it, start indexing it, start, you know, we have like a fairly new domain as well. Not a whole lot of links to so like, but there was literally nothing. It was like zero pages indexed, um, absolute crickets. And then like everything was stuck. You know, you go to like your, this is one of those things where, um, before I really dove into it, I was like, Google search console, like what are people doing there? Like what? Just a bunch of technical <laughs> SEO stuff. Like, Oh, that seems scary. I don't like it. I don't know what happens in here. It's just a bunch of voodoo magic. Um, I think in the past, like probably the past year, I've been really getting more familiar with Google search console and how it works and what to look for. Um, and so I've been monitoring it really closely, wanted to see kind of those first early signs of like, all right, we've got pages indexed. We're starting to show up. Even if it's on page 10 of Google, I don't care as long as Google knows that it exists. And it was like stuck in this like starting validation phase where Google hadn't indexed it yet, but like had plans to, and it's just been there for the past like two weeks. And then, sorry, go ahead. No, I just thought it was weird. Yeah. Super weird. Um, and then we've been doing something very similar for savvy Cal rolling out programmatic content for a new engineers marketing project, um, that I won't spoil quite yet, but, uh, it's very similar, like hundreds of pages being generated, got those live, submitted them to Google to be indexed. A week goes by still exactly nothing. Um, and so I'm starting to freak out. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, are we doing something wrong? Why aren't these being indexed? Is there any way to like speed this up? Like, are we just going to be waiting in limbo forever? Um, and then we started to see like a little bit of positive signs around, okay, Google indexed two pages out of, you know, 200, um, interesting. Okay, cool. Like maybe they're starting to like sandbox our account and just like test it a little bit. But then even that was like stuck for a while. Um, and then it was highlighting things like mobile usability, usability issues and, um, canonical URLs and like all these things that were just like, what is this? even mean and they're so vague and ambiguous where you just don't even know what to do with it. You just try to like dig in and figure out what they might be talking about so you can fix it, but you're still not exactly sure. Uh, and then it comes out that, um, Google's rolling out this big update to like the core algorithm, the update. And, uh, and they release like a whole note about it, which they only do this a few times a year, but this is one of them. And um, it says search console has corrected an internal problem where our systems were mislabeling the index status of some pages. As a result, some sites may see a decrease in the number of index URLs on their site. This does not reflect a change in user behavior, only a correction in their reporting. 
So this was reported on August 17th. It's the 22nd as of now. And they've like reported it as if it's fixed, but I still don't think it's like actually fixed at scale. Um, but there's a bunch of people, you know, I've tweeted, I tweeted, I was like, is anyone else having a problem getting indexed on Google? And like everyone is having a lot of issues right now. So I think if it's just a lot of like funky business in there, the problem is that the timing is just really horrible because yeah. we launched like these new properties and new pages to get indexed at the same time as that they're like fixing all this stuff. Whereas I think if we had launched it like two months ago, we probably would have been fine. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyways, we've been like scraping and clawing and trying to figure out what to do to fix it and like asking around and making updates. And we're starting to see like more pages get indexed finally and more of the, like the issues go away um, and some more promising signs, but it feels just kind of like a slog, which is a bummer. Um, but you know, you're starting to see more on both swipe well and savvy Cal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Finally, but it's, it's kind of like a slow drip. Like it's just, yeah. Oh, now there are 20 pages indexed instead of two. And now like these issues aren't coming up, but still it's like still in the started validation phase for the whole group of pages that we submitted to be indexed. And, um, I hope it doesn't take too long, but that's been a battle. <laughs> yeah. Just like constantly refreshing Ahrefs and Google, uh, Google search console and like actually going into Google and searching to see what shows up and if we're actually mm. in there, but it's not showing up in Google search console. Um, yeah. I, ha I have like so many questions. <laughs> Go for it. So because I've, I've, I've started hearing about this Google update, uh, but it's not live yet. Correct. Uh, no. And that's the thing. Like they're kind of rolling up like a lot of these like updates in like one package, I guess you could call it that. But like, obviously they're not all one, you know, code deploy, like, and they're different parts. Google search console is completely mm -hmm. different than like the actual core Google algorithm and like the way they report stuff it's a very like symbiotic relationship. So I think they're, you know, separate things that are similar in, um, in like what they affect, if that makes sense, but they're still different. Yeah. But so you, you don't think it's like the algorithm change. It's you think it's like an actual bug in yes. the search yeah. console. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yeah, they, they, if you didn't know any better, it would look like they're the, the same issue and like, oh, Google is just like rolling a core update, but like they're, they're very separate. They really shouldn't be intertwined all that much. Yeah. Google has no support line. <laughs> Seriously, nothing. <laughs> the hard part too is, you know, like we're all just kind of guessing on SEO anyways. No one really knows yeah. what moves the needle, what's coming, what's going to be changed, how it affects people. So we're, we're making all these like assumptions and then when Google publishes the re these reports about here's what's changing or here's an issue, it's, it's all these changes and issues and things that were already assumptions in the first place. And so mm -hmm. you don't know exactly what's going on under the hood at any time. Yeah. Do you think the changes are going to have any impact on what you do or no, is it I don't just kind of like so. wait and see? 
Yeah, it's a little bit of wait and see, especially on like the indexing. Like once a page is indexed, I think that we'll have a lot more leverage and data. And then we can actually see like, because we don't even know if like, are these pages perfectly optimized or are there, you know, core issues with the page or things that we can see visibly that would help us rank higher. But like until they're indexed, we're kind of just like waiting for that. Um, the other part is, you know, I think that Google does a lot of kind of hand waving where when they talk about the updates that they're making, they're not exactly talking about what's changing. They're kind of just giving these broad strokes and talking points about just like these clues to keep people appeased and give them like a heads up. But I think they're also doing a little bit of like warning because there's so much more AI generated content and duplicate mm. content and content that's just like remixed from the top 10 Google searches into a new blog post that's then trying to break into and replace one of the other top 10. And so, you know, like the core update was supposed to be around like mitigating that more, um, like mediocre remix content. But at the same time, I still think they don't have very many leads on how to actually combat that. They're kind of just trying to tell yeah. people to not do it as a more preventative measure than like a, a reactive measure. Um, at the same time too, I've been just in like a programmatic SEO uh, front in general, you know, but working with Derek on a project, we're working with a few Swipe Files members on programmatic content. I'm in a programmatic content or a programmatic SEO uh, Slack group now. So we've been talking about it and there are some things I think that we can make some, some updates on that we're trying to figure out exactly this week, like maybe adding a little bit more like text content on the page for no other reason other than it's a positive indicator to Google, regardless of what the content is <laughs> just because it like it needs more text on the page, which is, you know, goes all the way back to like really basic SEO hacky practices. But like, sure. If that helps that moves the needle, then like, sure. We'll add a little FAQ section at the bottom of the page just with filler content. That's like slightly personalized to that page because that seems to help. So mm -hmm. things like that, or, you know, but again, we're kind of at the mercy of being indexed before really yeah. seeing if those types of changes will actually make an impact. Yeah. It's wild. Like how much of a battlefield that is. Oh my gosh. I, really the it's hardest like, part is that you just don't know it works until it works. Like, Oh sweet. Yeah. I'm, I'm number one in the search result. Like I did this on accident, but now I'm just going to make some inferences about why this happened. I'm going to try to roll that out across the rest of our content, you know, or like you're always looking for like what, what looks slightly promising. Okay. Let's take that, what we learned and then let's roll it out across these other things. And then you go back to the drawing board every time. Yeah. But it seems like Google's in the position where they have to be deceptive about it. Oh yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's so freaking valuable to be a top search result or first page or it's like, it, it, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see how they could publish. Here's the exact guidelines. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cause then you're just asking to be for the system to be gamed. gamed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing. Like they've been talking about the last few years, how links are less and less important 
but it's again one of those like hand wavy things where we all know that's one of the major factors they use yeah. to judge <laughs> the, the quality and the reputation of a website and of a certain page but they're just saying that because they don't want people to game it as much they're trying to mm-hmm. like minimize the number of people just building spammy links or trying to, to game the system with like you know content link swaps and um, all these kind of like supportive circles that you can kind of collude together with other sites but the reality is you still need a lot of strong backlinks and that's still a major factor whether they say it or not yeah uh, w- one last thought on topic of programmatic seo have you seen uh it's a, it's a new like indie hacker tool or by an indie hacker uh pagefactory.app yeah mm-hmm. it looks pretty cool yeah yeah it looks really cool um especially for generating a lot of like text heavy programmatic content which is the hardest yeah. thing to do uh it looks really really promising yeah it, like i feel like webflow is pretty good at programmatic seo mm-hmm. um if it has its limitations but if you only need like kind of one uh, layer deep i don't know if that makes any sense yeah but mm-hmm. yeah yeah, like one modifier, one URL. Exactly. Uh, layer deep. Yeah. But yeah, it's something like, I don't know. I, I've been trying to think like how we could do something like that for Jetboost, but there's not like, I haven't, I haven't found a good fit yet. Hmm. Yeah, you kind of just have to stumble upon it a little bit, I feel like. Yeah. Because the whole point I mean, is to do that scale, right? It's like, how do I generate 100 plus pages using a spreadsheet? Yeah. And unless you have right. that spreadsheet and some sort of search volume, then there's no point in going through it. Right. And I was just going to say, we also we also just need to nail the basics first, which we're working <laughs> on right now. So <laughs> I'm sure there's, yeah, I'm sure there's less thing you think. I was explaining SEO to um, one of my friends the other week. Actually, he's trying to create like a, my cousin he's not my friend he's trying to create a programmatic content based site that he'll like do like affiliate revenue it's kind of just like a whole content site play and um he's like yeah what about seo like what do i need to know there it just feels like like it's way simpler than you think really just like don't screw up the basics think intuitively about how you want to target keywords with pages and then make sure you're checking all the boxes and like the actual page structure and you'll be fine. The rest is kind of gravy around like all the crazy sophisticated stuff around backlinks and um, URL structure and subfolder versus subdomain. Like those are all really incremental optimizations. Yeah. Yeah. Still feels like black, ma- black magic to me. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Especially when you get to like the page speed stuff. You're like, how can I compress this image to be three megabytes instead of four? And then that'll get our score from 98 to 99. It's like, okay, you know, it's not actually going to help you rank that much better, you know, 10 times better in Google. It's, it's, it's a bonus, but it's not the deciding factor. Yeah. Uh, you want a popcorn back to you? I think that's it from the uh, the programmatic SEO side of things. More rant than anything. <laughs> but <laughs> learning as we go, 
just trying to bob and weave with the Google algorithm and all their shenanigans. But um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, some more positive updates on that in the future. Yeah, I mean, I can jump on the back of that topic a bit, which is uh, so the guy I'm working with on the marketing side. Uh, he basically over the weekend he went through and um, reviewed all of our website pages and updated like title meta tags. I mean, this is what I mean by like doing all the basic stuff. Mm, like a lot yeah. of that we either haven't touched in two years or didn't have the, you know meta tags on certain pages. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's not that's not really going to impact obviously like search rankings or anything like that. But to his point point and i agree with this like it does impact click-through rate because now you've got a better description that google showing um so that's kind of like step one uh and then step two we do have some uh, blog posts that are being worked on now um which hopefully will result in a little bit better of uh content than than what i got through my own attempts uh, (laughs) at outsourcing (laughs) so yeah, look, looking forward to seeing the results of that. Nice, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think those be those be worthy investments. Um, yeah. I don't want to hijack anything, but I just love organic search traffic. Like, the more results that we see, and the more traffic that we get, and just like going through the motion of creating the content, publishing, and then like actually seeing, oh, this thing is ranking really well. Uh, like, I'm finally starting to see some pages from swipe files rank. I think like the the main three ones I have are, um, what is a swipe file, how to create a marketing budget for your startup and how to launch on Prodotunt. And, uh, what is a swipe file is now number four in the search results, which I'm trying to get higher, mm. but like just seeing that number every month of like thousands of people clicking on swipe files and reading that. And then like also going to swipe well because of it, just feels like magic. I'm like, Oh, thank God. Like, this is amazing. And now I'm starting to see, yeah. you know, the marketing budget and the product hunt ones, like they're kind of like breaking into like page two, page three of Google and, um, copywriting prompts is ranking high and savvy Cal is like in a league of its own already, even though we kind of just getting started on that front. But like every couple of weeks we see like another page break to the, break through the, to the first page and it's just traffic overnight to your page or to your site that you didn't have before and feels amazing. Yeah. No, that's awesome. What, uh, you said like seeing people come read it and click through, are are you looking at like a trust for all of that or just Google analytics or some other tool? Yeah. Looking through, uh, we use Splitby for like website analytics and attribution stuff. Um, which like works well enough. And like in that case, I can see, you seem like you're a big fan of them. Yeah. I think that they, yeah. They're a really good solution for just like the basics, exactly what you need. Okay. Um, we're like just starting to build out like our first funnel with them. <laughs> We've just been using basic analytics, but you know, they'll show like what are the top pages, what are the referrals for those pages and what are the events from those pages as well. So we can track things like newsletter signups and, uh, and app signups and clicks to other pages as well. Um, you know, but like, I just got the the weekly split B report across all the properties this last week. And I was just showing Connor like, oh, it's crazy how this last week we saw a bump on Saturday from Reddit. 
oh, turns out some someone mentioned copywritingprompts.com on Reddit. You know, did a little search, found the post, and now we can see exactly how many people came from that post to uh, to copywriting prompts. And then the same thing from like, I can see how many people I'm driving to swipe well from swipe files because I'm linking to it on the page and I have the the post what is a swipe file and I just know like this is the general flow from that website to this website um but yeah I mean really it's just Splippy Ahrefs for like rankings and then Google Search Console for like the actual clicks and impressions to try to like kind of pattern match that against what we're seeing in Ahrefs mm-hmm and you, you don't like pull that all into one, I don't know, dashboard or something. Like you just look at them all separately. Yeah. I just cool. uh, open up the page and then click refresh like every five minutes <laughs> trying to see something <laughs> new, just praying that there's an update. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah. Really not sophisticated whatsoever. We could be, but that's just not my style, at least not right now. No, I mean, it's working. Yeah. We're yeah. Off. It really even just hearing you talk about that, I'm like, I know we've underinvested in that. And even like, I've, I've been pretty down on Twitter recently, like as far as like sharing stuff and like, it, it's definitely helpful. And we've, you know, it's, 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 it's definitely gotten us customers and, and made our, our, uh, put our brand out there but it kind of feels like it's like the lowest bar, like the lowest hanging fruit of marketing is just like writing tweets. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and, like I know like things can go viral or whatever and like there, there are benefits to it, but like then it's just gone. Like imagine you wrote like, how do what is a swipe file as like a tweet? And mm-hmm. then it was just like gone. Yeah. Instead you're getting like thousands of visitors every month from, from that blog post. It's like, I know, I know we need to do more of that and I'm hopefully we're just getting started and I'm, I'm hoping we can really get that engine going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I'm a huge fan, you know, writing, um, getting more content in, which actually, I don't know if maybe it's worth me talking a little bit more about, I wasn't planning on it, but for founding marketing, um, just trying to get content in there. Um, and really trying to be ruthless about like what actually moves the needle. What are like the promising tactics, what works for like founders and people with, the whole premise is, you know, how to grow your SaaS startup with limited time, budget, resources. And like SEO is basically always SEO slash content, you know, but like especially search optimized content just never fails. Basically, you have to try really hard or has to be like a hyper competitive kind of niche for it to, to not work as well. But you make the investment once and then it continues to pay dividends for as long as you keep doing that thing right. And that's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, there, there is like the building public stuff and Twitter and I think that's great to kind of like build that muscle for marketing and just like be there yeah. and be in the conversation, but you reach a cap and, and it doesn't have that kind of compounding magic where, you know, the tweets that you wrote six months ago, sure, you could like recycle them and tweet them again, but they might not be as as, fa- as effective. I might not reach a new audience. 
And you have to do that over again and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you said, it's doing the SEO stuff is compounding. I mean, it's just like SaaS and recurring revenue. It's, yeah. You're not starting from zero like you are with Twitter every single with with Twitter every single day or every single hour, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, all, all the effort that you put in six months ago is like paying dividends now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do wonder, especially uh, for JetBoost, maybe just something to to keep in mind for like the programmatic side too. I think the pages can be really uh, simple. In fact, I don't know if you've seen it, but one of the like Webflow programmatic SEO case studies that I see all the time is through um, this company called Delight Chat. And they made basically like a CMS for best Shopify apps. So it'd be like best Shopify apps. And then it'd be like slash for restaurants or for, uh, I don't know, X, Y, and Z. Like there would just be a whole bunch of, you know, modifiers on that. And then they would mm-hmm. just kind of pull in really basic info about each of the apps, the title, what it does, like a app store rating, a couple of screenshots, and then just like filter. They built that out as like a CMS, and then they filter to create each one of those pages. Okay, for this page, mm-hmm. filter by, you know, 4X. Right. It wasn't like a whole lot of content on the page. It's like fairly easy, but, um, you know, you can do that for i don't know maybe like webflow apps or like i don't know webflow fill in the blank like Mm -hmm. could even be agencies freelancers services design tools i don't know like maybe there's something there yeah yeah the ones that always come to mind are like like you said agencies freelancers tools Part of the problem is on all of those, we are competing against Webflow themselves who have yeah, I know. directories and, you know, <laughs> which, which is, which is difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can even get really technical possibly again. I don't know. You have to look into it, but yeah. around like different tech stacks or approaches. Like if you wanted to like one of the Swifels members that I'm working with, he has like a, a form builder but it's like for more like developers and um, he's basically creating like a programmatic content play around instructions of how to use the form builder for like a whole bunch of program languages and frameworks. So it'd be like for Ruby, for Python, for Django, for Rails. And then Mm. it's like all the same stuff, but there's pieces of text on the page that are personalized for that or like additional or, yeah, additional pieces of content that you can just kind of sub in um, based on how he kind of set up the CMS that he built for it. But that's pretty fun because you, you just do the work once and you're kind of just like assembling yeah. the content rather than one by one, just writing, 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 writing. Is that is that live? Would you be able to send me a link to that? I'm super curious to check that out. I don't think it's live yet, but I will when it is okay yeah i think he's gonna send me a note once it was cool interesting yeah that's cool though i'm really glad that that's a big focus and i think that that'll uh that'll be a really worthy investment over time yeah 
yeah, had a few stops and starts trying to get that ball rolling, but I, I think we're we're finally making some real progress. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> especially someone with uh, with ownership and um, the drive yeah. to really pour themselves in, into it. Um, That's so nice. A couple other like quicker updates. I think I mentioned last time, kind of announcing the Swifile SaaS Marketing Summit. That's coming along nicely. I think I have a platform chosen and a rough draft of like the registration page. Um, so that should be going in a reach out to most speakers. I think I have maybe two or three others. I'm still trying to lock in, but also don't need to have them locked in to start marketing it as well. So I can just kind of, you know, fill in that slot later if I need to. The big thing that actually like is very urgent that I need to get out the door. And I actually wanted to get your input on it was the state of SaaS marketing report because I need mm. to design all the questions and then build it in a form to then syndicate to people and send out as a survey and start collecting data so that we have enough time to close the form, digest everything, write the commentary and analysis, create the page, which I want to create the page in Webflow that would be the actual report so that I have it to present at the Swipe Files SaaS Marketing Summit on October 12th. So there's kind of this delicate timeline of like, all right, if we want to give it about three weeks to be live, and we need about a week to build the page and a week or two to, to do the analysis. That means that we need to like close the form and the survey by like mid September, which means that if we want to have three weeks, we need to have it published by like the end of August slash, you know, very beginning of September, which is basically right now. So which is like next week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I need to, I already have like a rough draft of the questions. And I'm trying not to like just dump everything in there and just have a bazillion questions because people are going to have to actually go through and fill this out. But I wanted to ask you, what what would you want to see in that report? Um, and not even like, what would you want to see? Just like, what questions would you ask someone or uh, what would you want to see kind of like aggregate, uh, you know, data analysis on related to SaaS marketing? Hmm. Give me an example of like one. Sure. Yeah, let me pull up my page here. Um, we're also like, I'm going to be splitting it up so that we have data to segment off of. So we'll be asking questions around, you know, have you raised money or not? If so, how much, mm -hmm. how long have you been, uh, have you been launched? What's your average revenue per user or average contract value? What's your MRR Ooh, right, right now? Cool. You know, mm -hmm. what's your team size? Um, what's your marketing budget? Do you have one or not? If so, you know, what is it? That, that kind of thing. Um, but on like really specific stuff, I also have questions around, um, you know, which best describes your company's average month over month growth rate over the past three months. And then it'll be like, you know, zero to 1%, one to 5%, five to 15%, 15 to 50, 50 to hundred or something, you know, something like that. Right. Um, mm -hmm. questions around pricing questions around marketing channels. Um, you know, which marketing channels have you invested resources on in the last 12 months and just have like yep. a, a list that you can check off of like LinkedIn ads, Facebook ads, SEO partnerships, you know, can these broad categories. This is such a uh, developer-oriented take on this. 
um, <laughs> it's like all the developer surveys. It's like, you got to have one big checklist of which, uh, like libraries or frameworks mm-hmm. are you using? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd be curious what tools people are using hmm. for marketing, whether it's, you know, Ahrefs, uh, you know, like you said, search console, obviously like the basics, but I'm sure some like Splitby or some of these ones that I don't know of that, um, may actually be pretty useful. Yeah. That's a good one. I actually, I have that one down. Um, I can imagine that being like a little like word cloud or something that just kind of highlights the most used ones, but also everything kind of on the fringe too. I also have, I don't know if this is, in, if it's interesting to you, but what's your annual spend on marketing tools? Yeah. Um, I guess I'm like overall, like how does that factor? And we can compare that against the budget. You know, that was the average yes. number of spend on marketing tools compared to what you have to spend in overall. That's a good one. I really like the, uh, you mentioned asking for the, uh, the ARPU metric, the average revenue per user per account. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I think uh, to me, it seems like that would be highly correlated with the type of marketing that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And also being able to like kind of compare, are they freemium? Or are they not? Do they have to get a demo or not? Um, yeah. Pricing models, how that affects growth rate or just the channels that they're investing in. Do you have a, like a goal or an idea of what someone will get by reading this? Like I'm trying to think of, cause I know mm. you're kind of modeling off of like the state of SAS report. I'm trying to think like, okay, what would be me as a consumer? Like what would be my goal in reading that report? Is it just to kind of see like what other companies are doing and just sort of like as a, is this interesting or not? Um, mm-hmm. Do you have anything like that in mind? Yeah. I think that a big one is, uh, is benchmarks. So just knowing like what is normal, what's a normal visitor to sign up conversion rate, mm-hmm. what's a normal, you know, growth rate month over month. Um, I see questions like that get asked all the time. Yeah, exactly. Just in like various groups that I'm in. So yeah. What number good. are you seeing in your analytics basically? Yeah. Um, the, the other thing I think is understanding context for a lot of these things that we'll ask around growth rate, marketing budget, marketing channels compared to the stage of the business or like the revenue model of the business. Personally, that's something that I always look for is like, all right, cool. You know, your marketing budget is a million dollars a year, but you know, what, what's that based off of? Like, are we, are we surveying, um, the sales forces of the world or we're, are we serving mm-hmm. the, the jet boosts of the world? Like there's going to be drastically different numbers. And it's that kind of like law of averages where just all the context gets kind of skewed. So personally, mm-hmm. that's what I want to see happen as well as like, okay, per company stage, what are the normal benchmarks, marketing budgets, marketing channels that people use marketing team size, even so that you can take that information in, uh, knowing just like what is normal for yourself. Yeah. Those are probably the, the be, two. That'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. Those are probably the two big goals. Um, I am, I think the, the other actually, yeah, the, the third one is probably, um, establishing something to compare 
against like the the future years reports um just like the changes in the data so this mm -hmm. first one you know we're kind of just setting the stage creating the benchmarks of where were people at in 2022 but the goal is also to be able to show the changes in um you know marketing budget size or growth rates over the years okay this year it's X, here's how it's compared to 2024, 2023, and 2022, which is the first known data uh, source of data. Things like that, where it's like, now we don't have a lot to compare off of, we don't have anything to compare off of, but what would we want to be able to compare off of in the future that might be useful to someone? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So let me know if there's anything else uh, that you're dying to know that you'd want to see in the question in the question set again there's there's already a bunch and the more there are the more kind of at risk we are for someone just clicking exit and not filling it out or not finishing it but i want to make sure that right especially since it's the first one this will be like template going forward i just want to make sure we're doing our due diligence and including everything that we want to we're not going to feel like ah why don't we include that this year you know if we only just spent yeah. another week brainstorming yeah. Cool. Uh, I love that you're just always doing interesting things. It's, <laughs> it's really awesome. <laughs> it, it is. It's, I mean, so many people like get in their own way or, you know, have analysis, uh, paralysis by analysis. And like, I don't know, you've, you've, especially just since we started this podcast, like you've done so many different interesting things and, you know, you never know what it's going to lead to, but oftentimes just putting something out there can have a chain reaction. And it's, it's really cool. Thanks. Yeah podcast definitely motivation for that I've always having new things to, to update on and um and uh having something to talk about so i'm not feeling like i'm a i'm a loser just doing the same <laughs> stuff over again or never always have any excuse for something um but also yeah i think a lot of it is just it's better done than perfect a lot of my stuff is very imperfect so i have to live with that part of it yeah well you just described my like last four months. It feels like ah. <laughs> even just having the healthcare stuff to talk about today, which is, which is to totally not exciting at all. It's like, Oh, I at least have something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but also very valid excuses with them. Um, moving baby, huge business transitions. Like some things are more interesting yeah. than, than others. Yeah. It's cool though. A lot, a lot coming up, a lot scheduled and, no code or I keep calling it no code conf. I think it's Webflow conf now. Oh, right. In November. So yeah. like there's, there's going to be a lot happening for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's it for my, on my end. Anything else, you know, report on? Uh, everything else just on my list is, is fairly small and not, not all that exciting. So yeah. Cool. We'll save it for next week. Cool. All right. Well, listeners, also, if you have anything that you want to see in this data SaaS marketing report, let me know. DM me on Twitter or find my email or um, respond to the tweet for this podcast, whatever it is. We'll have as many links to all the things we mentioned and talked about in the show notes, and we'll see you in the next one.